to come before your throne of grace, that grace that causes us to hear you, makes it easy to hear and receive your word. And Father, I thank you that that's done best when we obey you in all things. And I thank you, Lord, that the people here have obeyed you to come together and assemble in your congregation. And I thank you for the blessing that comes with that in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm one of those people that believes that when you hear the word on tape or you get a message on tape, you're getting second hand. If you were there live, you'd get more. Amen. It's always true. You know, it's that it just shows you that people, people think they're cheating sometimes. They sit at home, don't go to church and watch Christian television. So they think they don't even know what they're listening to. You understand what I'm saying? And, but God honors his word. And when he says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together, there's a blessing there for you. So he can't honor your staying away from assembling the way he would if you got together and assembled where he tells you to go. And that's for y'all people on Facebook, too, and on the Internet. I love y'all out there, but... You know, if you're in Detroit and you could be here, you need to be here. You know, Uh, God gave us a prophecy many years ago. He said the revival will not be televised. You're going to have to get it live. You understand? (laughs) People in the day of Pentecost in the upper room got what people on the street didn't get. People on the street only heard about it and got it secondhand. But the people who were up in the upper room got it firsthand makes a difference makes a difference don't get quiet in here y'all showed up so don't act like you had a funeral somewhere straighten up out there amen straighten up straighten up well because there's so many people who think there's no difference you know they think they're being uh you know faithful to the church of of looking between my toes and holding the remote for you know when the preaching gets like you don't like it just switch the channel Isn't she lovely? Thank you, Miss Robin. (laughs) But y'all know what I'm saying. You know it's the truth. Amen. You know it's the truth. So when people fall away, there's no reward for falling away, but there's a reward for faithfulness. So praise God. So that being said, now that everybody's got slapped into reality, um, we're going to talk today about the army of the Lord. Amen. The army of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Uh, this is not an AWOL, MIA army. This is a present army. Amen. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw a little more in there. You know what I'm saying. But uh, this army is is unique in many, many ways. And we're going to talk about the uniqueness of the army of the Lord. And we're going to talk about who is in charge, how this army is assembled, Everything that, that we can share about it today, we will share. So uh, the word army actually means army fortress. It also means in battle array, and it means troop. The word that's used for army has all those different meanings. So when you are a member of God's army, you represent a fortress to people. Amen. You are a refuge to people. 
And those of you who are ministers, oftentimes we get tired of people whining and coming to us. Can you pray for me for this? And you say, pray for yourself. You know what I say? And, and that's possible too. But we have to remember what we represent to people when we are people who are anointed and empowered by God to pray. And so when, when we have requests like that, it's always good to encourage people to take the responsibility of prayer because God will anoint them as well. But always remember what you represent to people in this earth. Amen. Um, people who are, are known as people of prayer are always known as people of power. Words like fearless. Amen. Words like uh, powerful, patient. All of those things will come to mind. Stable, strong. Those uh, um, um Adjectives are always used referring to the army of the Lord. Amen. And so when people see you as one who is capable and one who is strong, it's a good thing. Those are indication, indicators of your, um, uh, your part of the army that, that you are recognized as a part of the army of God. So where does this army come from? Uh, in Ezekiel 37, um, you need to know that this army is raised from the dead. Amen. <laughs> so you've all been raised. You have resurrection power in you. So the fact that you you are here and you are fighting for God means that you've been raised up from something. You've already conquered death. Amen. So there's nothing else left except to go ahead and fight in that power. So in the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead makes your mortal body alive. That means a body that is subject to death on this side of glory. It makes that mortal body alive. In other words, it quickens it. And I always look at the quicken, quickening of the, the Lord like a flash of lightning. Amen. Uh, and, 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 and if anybody, any maternity nurses in here, any nurses, when they talk about the, uh, there's a, a word they use for the movement of the baby before it's born and the mother. It's called lightning. Amen. And it's because that light and life of God is what causes that baby to move. Amen. Because most women who have carried babies know they move when you don't want them to move. When you tell <laughs> run the, oh, daddy, look, he moved, he moved. And he'll move for three days or something, you know, in front of somebody. And so it's the lightning or the quickening of God that causes that life to be sparked like that and and move like that. And he does the same thing with us. Those of us who are the firstborn from the dead. Amen. That's you and that's me. So we've died already. So the devil can't kill us. Amen. If you haven't died, you can't be part of this army. Because we're the ones who are raised from the dead. So Ezekiel 37 verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. In other words, the hand of God uh, carried Ezekiel all over this valley and he saw nothing but dry bones there. And he's, and behold, there were very many 
in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, only you know. Amen. That's a good response to give to God when he asks you a question. Amen. Just just saying. Amen. Now, you can pipe up what answer if you want to, but just saying, that's always a safe answer to give God. I don't know. You know, though. Again, he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, dry bones can be a lot of stuff in your life. It can be your bank book. Amen. It can be your spouse. It can be your wayward children. It can be your boss. It can be your landlord. Amen. They're dry in the sense that they don't have the life of God in them. They're dry in the sense that they're not functional or functioning according to God's plan for them. And so he says, there's, there, in other words, they're as good as dead. You're dead to me. You know, <laughs> the mafia says, you're dead to me. It says, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, (laughs) shaking. (laughs) How many of us could stand Stand that and still speak to it. Amen. That's an awesome thing to behold. Huh? You know what happens to most of us most time? We'll start prophesying the stuff and it'll start coming together. And we'll be so scared of it or awestruck or whatever, we quit and go leave it and it's halfway put together. It's the truth. You know, you, you'll be, uh, you know, the enemy is good at doing this, diverting your attention from the spirit to the flesh. You gotta stay in the spirit with these things, or they won't come together the way you want them to. Amen? You know, you'll have a vision for your, your, your son or your daughter to, to serve God and, and, and you, and you know, be mighty upon the earth, and you want that with all your heart. But, you know, they'll excel at something else, like they're good at making money or get promotions at their job. We quit pressing in for the real important thing. Huh? Now, don't tell me I'm lying because I didn't witness it. Amen? You've just been bribed out of the high call for your kid. Amen? And you need to say, God, that's wonderful, and I thank you for it. But I renounce that as being the most important thing in my child's life. Bring them in. Huh? And keep prophesying to them dry bones. See, that we see the bones come together and they get a little flesh on them, get a little muscle connected, and we think it's all good. Huh? But how would you like to run around with no skin on you and no muscle on you and just some bones connected by some tendons? You know, you're still a skeleton. So speak more into that situation. Amen. Speak more into them. You know, this is telling you that your words over your, over human beings are effective. Amen. You know, people always say, well, people don't change unless they want to. Well, how do you judge somebody's want to? You don't even know your want to. 
You understand what I'm saying? Y'all know what you want to do. And so, you know, so you, you'll be, I, this has happened to me before. You know, you run upon somebody and you think, oh, Lord, let me go the other way. <laughs> and they meet you around the corner and you just, I've just been praying for you and I've been wanting to see you and yada, yada. You know what I'm saying? The real you comes out. Amen. The carnal you goes to bed somewhere and the real you starts to come up out of yourself. Well, hopefully so. We shall move on. So he prophesied to those bones. Amen. And as they came together, he continued to prophesy. So don't quit prophesying as things come together. Amen. Don't settle for half anything. He says, and when I beheld lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, the skin covered them above, and but there was no breath in them. Oh, yeah. Huh? That's the kid who's real smart, makes a lot of money, but don't care about serving God. You got to put breath in them. Huh? You got to keep, pro- and then he said to me, prophesy to the wind. Son of man, prophesy and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord, come to the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Amen. So you start speaking to the wind of God to bring life into your son and bring life into your daughter. Bring that God life into them. Amen. And begin to declare what what thus saith the Lord over their lives and mean it. Amen. So I prophesied as he commanded and breath came into them and they lived and stood. That's what you want your your family and your seed to do is stand on their feet in exceeding great army. Amen. You want them to join the army of the Lord. You're not fighting this for no reason. You're fighting so that you can pass it on to your your seed and your seed seed. Amen. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. and We are cut off of our parts. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus saith the Lord, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring in you into the land of Israel. Amen. And hasn't he fulfilled his word? He did it here and he'll do it with yours too. Amen. It says, and you shall know that the Lord, when I have opened your graves of my people and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and you shall live and I shall place you in your own land then shall you know that I the Lord have spoken it and performed it says the spirit of the Lord so this is talking about very very uh, lost people people who are lost in sin who are as good as dead amen they're dead eternally coming to life this is the picture of people who don't know God and God wants to breathe his breath on them he wants them to live amen and so we are to prophesy to those people we're to prophesy to them and I'm not talking about fortune telling stop it The minute we say prophesy, people want to tell you, God told me to tell you, he told you nothing like that. Cut it out. (laughs) You know, that needs a good rebuke because most of it ain't God. Most of, most, most of it's us trying to show out and show what we know. Huh? 
put you back in the box and let Jesus come out, please. He's the only one who can help people. Amen. The Bible says if you speak, speak as the oracles of God. And that means to have you his word in your mouth all the time. It doesn't mean looking in a crystal ball and trying to tell somebody their future. You don't know their future. Huh? You you share what's revealed. What has God revealed? And most people need help with something. They either need help with their health, they need help with a job, they need help with encouragement, they need help with hope, they need Jesus. And so that's what we prophesy. We preach the gospel. That's your biggest prophecy you will ever be able to share with anybody. But do speak as the oracles of God. Speak God's word that's fitting at that time. Amen. Most of us know how to pray in the spirit enough and then begin to pray for somebody and let the Holy Ghost take over. That's what he's talking about. Speak as the oracles of God. Amen. Prophesy. You don't have to be. <laughs> What's that? Wanna? What is um, our landlord at our building? Hamtramck is Muslim. And he said, oh, yes, she's the oracle. You know, talking about me. I said, I'll take that. Amen. But see, people outside of the kingdom of God understand what's going on. Amen. Because you speak as God speaks, you know. Amen. These people don't even know Jesus. And they know when the Holy Spirit is speaking. So let the Holy Spirit move through you and move through your words. Amen. All you have to do is let you go somewhere and sit down for a minute and let God show up. Amen. Praise God. So, uh, so God uh, is, is bringing this army together. This is his army that he brings by his own spirit, by his own word. And we are, are brought to life by the, the, combination of the word and the spirit amen so as the 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 uh, as ezekiel began to speak over these dead bones and and they came together but they didn't have the life that he wanted them to have and that's the way israel was they were a natural nation just like the bones are the natural part of this army but then there's a spirit of the body or a spirit of the army that Everybody in the army must have. You must have that spirit that that gives you your identity, that gives you the sensitivity to the commander in chief, that gives you that heart of desire to want to obey the instructions of God. And so God is is pulling together that army. He always pulls it together. They exist at every age in every uh, uh, nation uh, around the world. Amen. Because God is doing this himself. The commander of the host is doing this themselves. The captain of the army, if you'll turn to Joshua chapter 5, I think I'll go over there first and see how the commander of the army comes in and, and begins to work with God's people, begins to uh, pull them together and assemble them. We say Joshua 5. This is after Joshua had taken charge of the children. Moses, God's servant, is now passed on. He's dead. Uh, God has to raise up another servant. 
Um, as much as I love ministers and, and, and certain ministers that feed my life and feed my spirit, when their time is over, their time is over. Amen. And God then will use those on the earth who are on the earth. And I'm not saying you don't miss people. I'm not saying don't honor them. But I am saying that God has a plan because he sees us as one army and one people. Amen. And he will, will bring the next next generation in. We'll put the leaders in place that he wants to use uh, and, and do the thing the way he wants to do it. And don't ever judge how God does something. Amen. Because you'll miss 99% of the whole thing. There's always been controversy in the way God uh, runs his kingdom. You saw it in the time of Jesus. People didn't like Jesus for different things, uh, and, and were judgmental of him. And it's, it's, uh, you're treading on thin ice. You know, leave the judgment to God. You can observe and ask God to explain things to you and how this works and how that works. You can always find out how religious you are by how, by how you respond to people that God uses. Amen. Because they're never the ones you want to pick in your imagination. Amen. They never look like what you want them to look like. I remember the first time I saw a dog, the bounty hunter. And, you know, people say, well, he's not a Christian. He is a Christian. He's not this and he's not that. And I would watch this man and I and I, I looked at him and I'd see these people sitting in the back of his SUV breaking down, crying. And smoking a cigarette and on the way to jail and breaking down crying and, and repenting and telling them they want to turn their life around and all this kind of stuff. So wait a minute, God. Wait a minute. How's he getting on TV with this kind of shenanigans? Huh? It's all jealousy. You know, cause the first thing you think, well, I'm doing this. I'll get that kind of attention. <laughs> you just nailed yourself. You understand what I'm saying? You ain't in the spirit at all. It's your little religious self. And I remember the time we used to curse religion at the root and stay away from it all. And here we are, religious ourselves. Amen. Happens all the time. That's why God does something to mess, mess our heads up, you know. <laughs> just like he did. I was telling somebody. About the uh, move of God that started, well, uh, it, people who got saved when I got saved in the 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s and 90s and stuff like that came out of the move of God that started in the 60s with the hippie generation. Remember the flower power children and the hippies and they smoked marijuana and they grew marijuana. They took acid and all this stuff. And then you see them same people getting baptized in the Pacific Ocean and, and saying, Jesus, you know, oh yeah, Jesus, man, I love Jesus. I love you. And you said, huh? <laughs> so you had to watch that thing for a minute. In order to figure out who was real. But some of the most powerful churches in California grew out of that movement. And isn't it just like God to get right in the midst of the devil's mix and pull people out of that who are really hungry and seeking for him. Amen. 
and then the rest of us just hide and watch. Some people are still not sure, you know, after all these years. And so we have to be careful to let God do this thing the way he wants to do. And he pulls his army together the way he wants to pull his army together. And and just be careful with your judgment. Amen. And want to hang. You know, nowadays people have gotten so bad they don't they don't. Uh, even consider that your sins are ever forgiven. They'll go back 15 years and find a text you wrote to somebody and want to condemn you for it in your life now. Amen. Why? Because they don't know God and they don't know the forgiveness of God. And so let us not as believers fall into that category as well. Amen. Let us let God judge everything. Amen. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Even ourselves when we're when we're uh, in false judgment. So anyway, um, Joshua has come. Uh, and gathered the, the children of Israel together. There's some things he had to do to prepare them for war. And there are some things we all have to do to be prepared for war. Amen. The children of Israel had to be circumcised because they had not been the whole time they were in the wilderness. And God allowed that to happen because he made sure that the unbelieving generation died off. And only believers were left. Listen, you don't have to have much faith to believe for your clothes to grow on you. And your shoes, you had a 40-year-old pair of shoes and they were still good. It don't take much faith. You understand what I mean? That just happens because of, of, of need. God will take care of all of the needs of, listen, you got kids, you raise kids, they're all different. Some are more obedient than others. And some of them will mouth off and talk back to you all day long. But when it's dinner time, are you gonna not feed the little mouthy one? And, well, if you got that much sense to keep them all together, they... amen. Well, God feeds and clothes all of us. We can be the murmur and complain bunch and still get fed. Huh? You may not get what you like. Huh? You know, God's got sense of humor. They got sick of manna and he gave them quail till it ran out their noses. Because they begged for it. We want a lot. We don't want to just pick a little bit every day. They didn't like that. They wanted to be able to keep as much as they wanted. So he gave them quail till it ran out their noses. You understand what I'm saying? If you want to be greedy, he lets you be greedy. But God will take care of everybody in his household. Just because you got a job and you got a house, that don't mean you rolling in obedience. You understand what I'm saying? Come on now. <laughs> Obedient people tend to go through hardship to get there. <laughs> well, they do. That was Israel's problem. They hated the hardship. So the hardship would have led them into the promises, their own land, an inheritance for their children, everything the heart desires. But they wouldn't go in because they were scared of war and they like complaining better. So they got busted down to mere provision. 
So just because you got a job and you got a house, that mean that don't mean you the queen or king of obedience and you riding high in God. Before you get that high, you're going to have to be tested on something. And the minute they got tested, they start squirming and crying and complaining again. Got busted down to. Huh? As they, if somebody gained weight, the clothes expanded. If they lost weight, the clothes shrunk. Forty years, the same outfit. I love it. (laughs) I'm serious. Your complaining will make you die of boredom. Just because you look the same, wear the same, eat the same, think the same. Well, I'm going to move on anyway. But Joshua, them people had to drop dead before God. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but they had to. one way or the other, you're gonna die. You're gonna die to your complaining, and have some faith like Joshua and Caleb, or you'll com- keep complaining and drop dead. And the Bible says their carcasses fell in the desert. Amen. And so their children, though, God decided to start over new with them. Your children have a better chance of success in God than you do, even though you don't see it yet, because they're called to a higher level of glory. The Bible says the glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former house or your generation. And so if, if you'll stay faithful to God and believe him for greater things for them, the greater will show up. Amen. But they have an edge. And that edge is that God will teach them to fight earlier than you learned. So start believing God for fighters. And I ain't talking about hooligans. I'm talking about. I'm talking about real fighters. Huh? Make sure they're people of prayer. They pray. They'll pray if you drag them into prayer. Just yank them and pull them in there and say, come on, y'all, we're going to all pray right now. Let's do this. Amen. And they will do it. So their spirits have to be trained to respond to God. Amen. Don't be scared of your own seed, all right? Grab them and pull them up in the spirit right with you. So here Joshua's left with all these younguns because everybody his age is dead. Amen. And so it's, it's, it's really almost a, a preacher's dream. Because how many of, of, of ministers could probably do more with the children of the parents and the parents would go bye bye? That's why they have children's church. <laughs> oh, let my little baby, now he know how to do this. He can pray real good. You put him up there. Huh? So Joshua was in a good place because he was ahead of where Moses was. Moses had, had, they say it was what, how many millions? Three or four million people that he had 20 or 30 million. That was the first church in the wilderness. He had all those people and, and they had just come out of Egypt. Everybody's in the flesh. See it now, nowadays, everybody's seeing things and want to prophesy to everybody. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the, that's the flesh we got to contend with in the church now. 
all the new people got to have a word, got to have a. Have thy word between thyself and the Lord. Amen. (laughs) I'm trying to prophesy to people who are 30 years old in God and and strong in the spirit. And that don't fly. You understand what I'm saying? It's just that word ain't that you ain't mastered it yet like that. Amen. So just hold on. You'll get there. Amen. You'll get there. So Joshua has to take these people and prepare them for war because that's what the older generation did not like. They didn't want to fight. And when God sent the 12 spies over, only two of them saw what God told them was over there. The rest of them saw was in their imagination. Hello? Make sure you see what God tells you is there. I remember God was telling me about listening to people, you know, as a minister. And he told me, he said, I I don't use gossips to inform my ministry gifts how to run the church. Oh! Yeah, right. Huh? He said, it's not so unless you get it from me. So I don't care who, who told, tells you what. I've seen churches destroyed because pastors listen to them. Somebody want to be around them all the time, want to have their ear. They'll take your ear home with them if they could. So get people out your head. Huh? And and people of God, you need to be re- more respectful of the ministry gifts of God. You don't want to pollute anybody's mind with a bunch of hearsay, huh? And made up stuff. And some people like to like to influence you just to say they talked to you and told you certain things. You want to feel like you're you're uh, your confidant. No, you gotta watch people. Everybody's off out for something for themselves, you know, at some point. So you gotta watch that stuff. So Joshua brings them over. He has to circumcise everybody. It's a big job. Amen. But he does it because that's the sign of the covenant between God and man. So he has to bring all of these young men into covenant with God so that they will be sanctified and holy. So that when they go into war, they will win. That's what God's doing with his people. He's in, we're in continual circumcision of the heart. The people that you think hate you, you find out you hate them. Then you got to repent and get off Facebook talking about your haters. Huh? Quit waiting for God to bless you so you can show your haters how holy you are. See me? How holy I am? God blessed me with so. Oh, God, please bring it in a hurry so I can show them people in the church. I show nobody nothing. Amen. God don't bless you for for that reason. Amen. He blesses you because of your faith. You don't get nothing to show nobody nothing. You hear me? Hmm? So Joshua 
has has to pull this army together. He carefully listens to God. God's given him all this instruction. It's a big job. But Joshua is capable because God begins to lift Joshua up so that people will accept him the way they accepted Moses. It's wrong to want what somebody else has. You understand what I'm saying? Just for the sake of saying I can have it too. God will impart to you and put on your life what's necessary for you to do the job he's called you to do. Amen. Now, it's good to to learn by example. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said nothing about coveting what I have, coveting my position, coveting anything like that. And so Joshua was Moses' minister. And people were still looking to see that Joshua had the goods. And only God can can prove to people who you are. You got me? You can't sit there and say, well, let me do this like Moses did so people know I'm I'm just, I want them to, I want them to compare me to Moses and not give me my props. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and we have to be careful about that. And so God began to do signs and wonders at the hand of Joshua, just like he did with Moses. And that's how the people knew. Amen. The people began to relax and accept Joshua's leadership because they saw God was with them in the way God needed to be with him. God may not be with me the same way he's with uh, Pastor Shirley or Bishop Russell, uh, Pastor Val, Miss Juana, Miss Nola, anybody. He's not going to be with us all the same, but it's the same God working through us by his spirit, doing what's necessary for the people that we have to serve. And so it's very, very important to let God prove who you are to people. Amen. And don't be on a crusade to be acknowledged, please. Cause you're going to get, you're going to mess yourself up every single time. Amen. Just, just let, just be a servant. You know what I'm saying? Just live to serve. Just whatever God puts before you to do. And that's how Joshua lived besides Moses. You never saw him. You, you, you don't look, look back in the first five books of the, of the Bible that Moses wrote and told of the stories and so forth. You don't see Joshua getting up and saying, well, Moses, let me do this now because you know I could do this more. I could do this. Amen. You don't, you don't do that. Amen. That, that proves nothing. Don't get ahead of yourself. Trust me, you'll get there. Amen. You keep walking with God, you'll get there. Amen. And the fact that God uses you, the only thing that means is you've been used. Somebody got it, finally. That's the thing we hate and fear, isn't it? Well, they think I ain't important. They be just using me. Huh? And then you up here, God, use me, please. Then when you get used, you like... Huh? That's all the attention I get? Yeah, that's it. This is it. Huh? (laughs) So Joshua then circumcises the people. God begins to work 
signs and wonders. They step into the Jordan River. This is a wet foot crossing. Amen. (laughs) Remember that from (laughs) wet foot, dry foot for the Cuban refugees. You know, they had a policy. Uh, Cuba is very, a very tough place for people. I mean, the communists were brutal. And uh, our government couldn't take everybody that wanted to leave. So they had a, a law, wet foot, dry foot. So if you got in a boat and you came, <laughs> came across the ocean, if you had one foot in the water, and the other one was dry on the land. You can get in and stay, you know. So it was it, it was the only fair thing to do. You know, many people drowned on the way over. It was it just wasn't a good thing what the communists do to people when they get control over them. So, but uh, Joshua had a wet crossing. Now Moses had a dry crossing. Yeah. So when you think about it, Joshua's power was greater than that of Moses. Remember when Moses brought Israel over, the waters parted and they walked across as on dry land. When Joshua took them across, they stepped right in the overflowing Jordan and it parted before them. Greater danger. You got to be fearless to do that. Amen. Moses took a bunch of fearful people on dry land. Amen. I mean, that's no big deal. The fact that the land was dry just meant y'all was too scared. So God really got part of the waters and they stayed a wall of water on each side all night to convince the people it wasn't going to collapse on them. Huh? And so when they went through, it was dry. It was like your shoes won't even bog you down in mud. You understand what I'm saying? He made it easy for them. When you got saved, it was easy for you. So after you get saved, the tough stuff starts. Amen. And so here Joshua takes them over. Their feet part the Jordan River. And the Jordan overflowed its banks during that time. And the priest stepped right in there and the people right behind them. They were given orders not to step in. No pushing, no shoving. No trying to walk next to the priest and pretend like you are one. I mean, people do anything. You see some of these ministers and their entourages. Okay, Miss Robin, I won't go there. I'll spare the people. But you know and I know what we're talking about, don't we? People don't know nothing about God, nothing about nothing. Every time I see somebody with their armor bearer, I say, oh, no. no. I make them go sit down. They want to bring them up to the altar and they fighting over a cover cloth. And I said, really, these are armor bearers. This is your most mature fighting over who going to put the cover cloth on somebody. And I said, why don't you two ladies go sit down? <laughs> Any idiot knows better than to fight at the altar of God. Take your shoes off because this is holy ground where you stand in. You get up here and strive with anybody, fight with nobody. Anyway, <laughs> Bishop Russell, I can't see you, but oh, there you are. Okay, 
<laughs> but uh you can see my heart is toward things being done properly, decently and in order. But you could feel the Holy Ghost lift and go someplace else with all that nonsense. I'm not playing with people like that. Y'all stay home. If that's all the maturity you got, and as a man or woman of God, you bring them people with you, just canceled your next assignment in my book. Not that you care, but you know, know what I'm saying. But it's nonsense. And then they're going to say, well, this is my armor bear, and they want them their own room. I said, nah, we're going to get you two beds. Now, we played that give the armor bearer their own room stuff before. You don't know who they in there with. <laughs> I may never get people across this Jordan River. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you don't. Anybody that carnal, you don't know what they doing up there in that room you paying for. You keep them with you. Because <laughs> they need supervision. Yeah, I'm saying you know they just bringing them for a free ride you know it I know it they don't get out much so stop it Miss Avis stop it okay alright so Joshua is, is moving by faith in what he does he's got the people across they're circumcised <clears throat> the Lord tells them this day and in, in, in Joshua 5, 9, the Lord said to Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Ooh, interesting. Could that be what held their fathers back all those years? The reproach of Egypt? Well, see, they came in circumcised. But they still had the reproach of Egypt on them. What does that mean? That means the old habits, huh? The old desires. That stuff has to be clipped off of you. Now listen, this is not the first church of those who get weaned off of their sin. This is the church of those who cut it off so you feel pain. Uh huh. Other than that, it's really not a sacrifice, huh? It's like you didn't like that, no way. And trying to act like you didn't got all holy all of a sudden, like you didn't gave something big up, huh? Let's see what you're gonna do if you hurt over it. Huh? You better praise him. <laughs> praise him like you never praised him before. Praise him through the pain. Praise him through the healing. Huh? You don't hurt forever. God heals that. And then you get whole and you get strong and you can and move and you move on and you're equipped to fight now. Because the devil can't blackmail you with anything you like anymore. Huh? (laughs) Second Corinthians 10, 6 tells us that we can avenge all disobedience once our obedience is fulfilled. 
That means you're not ready to cast the devil out of nobody can you till you get devil free yourself. Huh? Fred Price, he was funny. When he first started, I used to love to hear Fred preach because he was he was fairly young and energetic and he was honest and he was teaching people faith and all of that. And he was teaching the people the difference between flesh and spirit and how how you need to keep yourself in a place where your flesh doesn't overtake you. Amen. You've got to get delivered yourself. And he he said that he made the mistake once of counseling uh, a young woman. He said, from then on, I had my wife, Betty, come in there. He said, uh, he said, this woman leaned across my my desk and he, she said she moved like a snake and said, I want you. He said, my flesh said, I want you, too. <laughs> he said, there's a couch over there. You understand? What I'm, that's how easy it is to get yourself in trouble. It's your flesh. You got me? And that's why God allows us to experience the hurt of letting go of things we love and desire. Huh? And then when you really don't care anymore... Isn't that the way it is? You're over it already. Then he brings it back to you so you can enjoy it by the spirit. He don't want none of his kids enjoy nothing in the flesh. I'm real sorry. So if the only way we know how to enjoy uh, enjoy life is in the flesh, you're going to be sadly disappointed. You'll start enjoying things that God brings to you. But the fleshly component of it, why? He doesn't want you you bound and tied to anything. He doesn't want you to be a slave to anything anymore. So he delivers you from the desire and the the you know all of that stuff tied in with those things. He he gets you good and delivered. Amen. Amen. So God will, and He'll give you things that you. You really like, but you know, you'll know your clock's been clean because you say, Oh, thank you, Lord, and just keep on moving and say, Well, where do I go next to preach to the next person? You understand what I'm saying? It's like that in God. So, um, so it, uh, Joshua then brings Israel to, uh, Jericho and, and, uh, before they cross over into Jericho, Joshua has to get instruction, but on the way there, in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13, it says here, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Now, this is after they have been circumcised, after they have been uh, um, healed. He's rolled away the, the reproach of the nation of Israel. So they now are a holy people, consecrated Set apart to God. The first thing he changes is their diet. Amen. The manna stops. So a strong people knows how to work and plant crops. They're ready to settle their own land and be responsible for their lives. And that's what God wants all of his, his children. Cause then there's no, no, no end to your prosperity. Amen. So they ate manna no more. And they began to live off corn that they, that was already growing there. And he told them it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. You'll have vineyards you didn't plant. 
uh, houses you didn't build and, and God would take care of you. And so in verse 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for the adversaries? And he said, neither one of you, but I'm the boss. Okay. I'm the boss. The first thing that God will do is put you under authority. Amen. You just can't be running around here, binding this and casting this out and playing them games, folks. You can say I bind it all you want to, but if it don't move, you got to have the goods. Amen. You must have the goods. God will impart to you what you need for what he's called you to do. Amen. And so he says he lifted up his eyes and he says, I am the captain of the host of the Lord. He says, and I'm come now. Joshua fell on his face to the earth. Right thing to do. Amen. And worshiped and said to him, uh, what do you have to say to my servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, first of all, take your shoes off. Amen. You know, show some respect. This is holy ground. So wherever God meets you, he sanctifies that place of meeting for you so that you you have a, a a relationship with God. In other words, he's telling Joshua, put your sword away against me and and submit to me because God has sent me here to lead you and to help you and to fight for you because that's really what you need. See, if Joshua were to tell the truth, he knew he was in no way ready to lead all these people. He didn't watch them mess Moses' life up, murmur and complain all day and all night. He saw the trouble that got Moses in every time Moses Moses was supposed to speak to the rock and he hit the rock. And Joshua said, "Mm, I ain't going to do that. You understand what I'm saying? If you can't do anything, you can make notes and say that. Now, that's one thing I ain't going to do. I ain't going to make that mistake. Huh? So Joshua's all his life been been living under the I ain't going to do that school of ministry. Huh? We have both of them. Huh? I've seen a lot of fumbles and I said, mm, I ain't going to do something else. I'm going to remember that. Amen. And you remember the good examples too. You understand? Because God will put both before you. People are human. And so uh, Joshua then begins to fall under the authority of the Lord. And that is, people believe that is Jesus in a, uh, another form as the Lord of hosts. And he refers to him as Lord. So it's, it's apparent he's really not an angel. He is uh, what they call a theophany of the Lord Jesus Christ when they, he shows up in the Old Testament in different forms. And so he'll he'll reveal himself in the way that people need to know him. And so God then begins to pull this army together. And their standard will have to be holiness. It will have to be the place where Joshua meets the Lord of hosts. Where Joshua meets the captain of the Lord's army, he says, take your shoes off where you're standing is holy ground. And so Joshua then is going to have to make his his mess ups came in not making sure that the people were sanctified. 
not holding on to that holy standard. That's where all our mistakes are made and not holding on to the holy standard. We want to compromise all the time. We want to think if we take too strong of a stand for God, you know, oh, we're going to run the people away. Well, you need to run some people away because most of them probably got devils anyway. They're going to be your biggest headache. Amen. The Bible says God added to the church daily those as such as should be saved. You got to trust God to add to his number. Amen. If he ain't adding nothing, you don't try to work your little. Do you realize most of the churches we see on television are not prayed in people? Those people come in there by uh, advertising, by television recruitment, by mailing list recruitment, by uh, email recruitment. Those people are recruited. And so that means nothing as far as what God is growing in the earth. Amen. As long as you're praying, God is growing what you're doing. You got me? You got to trust. You got to put your, your trust in prayer and you got to trust in God's spirit doing what he wants to do. Right now, I can tell you, God's heart is toward prayer and and uh, meeting the lost, meeting the needs of the lost. He's not into this numbers thing. He ain't big on the television. Because most of them have compromised messages anyway. You can't, I can't get on there and talk about, uh, remember Lot's wife, the lesbian. See, you can't say that on television. Not if you're going to get people to send you millions of dollars to stay on there. Huh? But why did Jesus tell us to remember Lot's wife? Keep us out of compromise. Looking back towards your old sin is a, a place of compromise. Yeah, whatever. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> And Joel 2.11, it says the Lord utters his voice before his army. You got to be called into this, this army. Amen. And it says his camp is very great. The apostle Paul found that out. He used to whine and cry about he was the only one. Jesus said, I got much people. I got a lot of people around here. Don't play me cheap. Like you're the only one serving me, Paul. Grow up. Amen. So then Joshua begins to lead the people. They have run into problems because there there winds up being sin in the camp. Joshua forgot, and then Joshua got deceived by some people. So sin and deception are the main enemies of God's army. Remember that. The devil always wants to trick you into thinking something, you know, is not true. It's not God's will or you're not doing what God wants you to do or whatever, whatever. And so we have to always be aware that the enemy would like to deceive us and move us off of doing what God wants us to do. So the Lord utters his voice before his army. We are called and assembled by the Lord of hosts alone. He calls those and then he qualifies those who he calls. He calls those that he chooses. And he qualifies those that he calls. He may use earthly voices, but he alone is the captain. Now, there are always false captains around. You know that and I know that. Amen. Remember the real preachers of 
whatever. They had them all over. I saw more chief apostles over the city and chief prophetesses over. Huh? I I was praying. I said, God, now listen. <laughs> now, these people on television, they making us look bad. Because I got to get up there and say, I'm a preacher. And I said, what can we do? That's all you need to do is, God, what can we do? Very innocently. Don't want to hurt nobody. Don't want to. <laughs> Some of them only lasted one show. What can we do? I didn't write one letter. I didn't write no nothing about nobody. I just asked God, what can we do? Huh? You don't have to get evil. You don't have to get vindictive. You don't have to look, oh, I've been waiting for her to get put down. No, we don't go there. It's just, what can we do? Oh, Lord, dear, dear, what can the matter be? Just make sure your hands are clean. Amen. And I found out God didn't want them on either. Looking crazy because they look crazy. And his people aren't crazy. You're looking for power to change a city and hear these idiots come up here and tell you they're the chief this and having their little powwows with each other. The devil don't even know who they are. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who in the heck are you? Chief apostle? Everybody's, you know, it's like Pocahontas claiming to be an Indian. You claiming to be a chief apostle too? My goodness. We only have one captain of the Lord's army. Amen. God caused that stuff to fail before it got started. Amen. But how many preachers look on there and say, oh, did you see the real preachers? No, because they're gone. You ain't seeing them no more. Their place was found no more. Huh? Be quiet, Miss Avis. <laughs> Revelation nine sixteen. We need to turn there because you need to know God numbers this army. Amen. He numbers the people. It's He numbers. We don't count people. David got in trouble for that. Get in trouble for counting God's people. Calling yourself the chief this and the chief that. And this is in Revelation. It said the number of the uh, 916, the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. Yes. I heard the number of them. He said 200,000,000, 000, probably more than that. It's an innumerable number. Amen. God's army continues to increase. As many as he wants to call up, he will call up. Yes. Amen. Yes. 
The kings of the earth will always war against this army. Revelation 19.19. It says, for their power is in their mouth and their tails, for their tails were like serpents. Let me see. Revelation. Oh, I'm sorry. 19.19. I'm in the wrong. Revelation 19.19. I'm sorry. And they cast dust on their heads and cried. Let me see. Let me see. Uh-uh. I don't want that one either. 1919. Like I said, that's 1819. Let me read this first. Yeah. He says, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ and against his army. So the friendship with the world will not cause you to win this war. Amen. Amen. Now, you can have fellowship to a degree with some people. You can pray for them, minister to them. But as far as friendship, friendship, to hold on to a friendship, you have to be in agreement. In agreement, you're always going to compromise because they don't know what you're talking about. Amen. And so we have to be very, very careful to stay holy as the army of God. Amen. Just walk in your holy place and stay where God puts you. Amen. So Joshua, verse uh, chapter eleven, Joshua eleven four. And God begins to number His people. Amen. It, it amazes me how important people are to God. If you think about it. The nation of Israel is written down in the Bible by name. And people are important. God does that so you can know these people were important people to me. Even though they're gone on, now they're important. Joshua 11, I think it's verse 4. Oh, i got to get to 11. These are some of the wars that Joshua fought in and defeated all the enemy. Verse 3, and to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and to the Amorite, Hittite, Perizzite, Jebusite in the mountains, and to the Hivite under Hermon in the land of Mizpah, they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with many horses and chariots. So, when God told Abraham that his descendants would number like the sand on the seashore, he was talking about an army of people. He wasn't just talking about his children, a family, just random people. In other words, what God is saying, anybody in the household of faith qualifies as a person in the army of the Lord. All you got to do is get the faith to get up and get equipped and go do the job. So he can call anybody any time that he wants to call. He can call sinners out of the world into salvation and make them big generals in his army. You understand what I'm saying? You you don't underestimate what the captain of the host does. And when you find people who are working for God, you have to respect the work that they are called to do. You can't fight over who's in charge of something. Not to think you're going to get along with God. You got to let those people do what God called them to do and you do what he called you to do. Amen. 
So the size of the army is very great. Why does God give us an indication of size? Because the enemy will lie about your size and make you think you're alone and make you feel small. That's why God calls an innumerable number. We are called to the heavenly Jerusalem and an innumerable company of angels, folks. A number of angels that cannot be numbered for strength and for help. And so if you're called to all that, you're not alone. You're not small. But the devil will ask you every time, who you think you are talking about you binding this and you binding that? Huh? Huh? You know, I say, devil, I bind you no more. Just get out of my face. I'm taking the time to bind you. You just leave. Huh? Leave unbound. (laughs) Amen. Amen. After this, God is frequently referred to as the Lord of hosts. Amen. After Joshua and and the children of Israel begin their quest to take the land that God has already given them. They're not robbers and thieves. God has given them this land. Then God is referred to as the Lord of hosts, even in people's prayers. Hannah, when she went to see Eli, the priest called upon the Lord of hosts. David and all the kings of Israel always called upon the Lord of hosts. Why? They recognized it was a war. Just to live, just to get housing, just to get the people fed. Just It's a war to get everything. So if you're not willing to live holy and rebuke the devil, you won't win this one. You understand what I'm saying? If you got another source for your goodies, you ain't going to get this stuff from God like this. Amen? But if you make up your mind, you're going to live for God and let him draft you into this mighty army. Amen? You will always have everything that you need. I always say warriors, intercessors and warriors have more provision. Amen? Because you have more access. If you had the keys to my house and I didn't know what was in there, you'd probably get anything you want out of there and I'd never know it. Well, if you have keys that God's given you, you can get stuff and he freely gives it to you. Amen. You don't have to steal nothing. You just receive it by faith. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God will avenge himself on his enemies. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 124. And this is the vengeance of God. We're just operating in the power of God because God wants his stuff back from the devil. He stole it and God wants it back and he will get it back to do with what he wants to do with it. Amen. So in uh, Isaiah 124, therefore, saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies. In other words, he said, I'll turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin. What that means is God is going to purify. He's going to take back from the, what the devil stolen. In fact, he did it at Calvary, giving us the keys to the kingdom. Amen. So whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. He does it automatically when we loose it. Amen. Whatever we don't loose it's not loosed amen 
God judges the lofty, the arrogant, and the proud. Amen? Isaiah 2.12. That's just a sample of what he does. But people who uh, want to stay, uh, 2.12, for, for the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, upon everyone that is lifted up, he shall be brought low. He shall be brought low. The Lord showed me uh, when we were in worship earlier uh, that he had restored. He told me that when uh, the election of 2016 took place, he told me, he said, I overthrew the strong man in the federal government. He said he is no more. And he said, what you have seen the last three years has been him trying to get his place back again. See, don't ever let the devil deceive you. See, people will think you're losing and oh, this is a mess and all this kind of stuff. Mm -mm. His stuff is gone. That's why his people are so angry. They're so venomous and they're so mean because they're trying to get back what God took away from them. See, And President Trump is just president. He's not Lord over Washington, D.C. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord over Washington, D.C. So off and on when I pray, God keeps showing me uh, some uh, him standing up, holding somebody by the ankles and just shaking them and stuff falls out of their pockets. He showed me jobs, houses, factories, lands, the souls of men, money, finances, copyrights. Just, he just keeps shaking them. It keeps coming out. Amen. So this is our season of jubilee in this nation. Amen. Don't get caught up in mere politics, folks. You get caught up in the spirit of God. Ask God what he's doing. He will gladly show you. Because as a member of his army, you're entitled to know. Amen. You're entitled to know. In Isaiah 5.16, God says he is exalted in judgment. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. The God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. God doesn't want wasteful spending of our government. That's your hard-earned money. They take and treat it like it's theirs. He doesn't want people stealing he doesn't want people pilfering and deceiving. He don't want any of that stuff. And he is exalted when these things are judged. Amen. So God is exalted in judgment. Amen. He is holy, not unjust or mean. This is how people get caught up in deception, judging God as being not a good God. Look at Carlton Pearson, that age old Devil question. He asked new, he asked these things of new Christians. Huh? How could a just God let people starve to death? How could a just God let people to hell? That's something sinners ask you. That's, that's not a question for a minister of the gospel. And yet the devil tripped him up on that and he started thinking, well, God's not right. And if not this gospel we preaching, if it's sending people to hell, it's say, oh. You understand me? You got to learn to, to uh, consider not. You can't listen to every thought that comes to your head. 
but he's exalted in judgment he's not put down and made to look like a mean god he's exalted in judgment amen so he's holy he's not unjust or mean Holy means he don't make mistakes. So don't look like, if it's a mistake being made, don't bring it to his door. I warn thee. (laughs) Isaiah 13, 13. Bible says he shakes the heaven and the earth moves. Said that's pretty cool. He says, therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place. I said, oh, Lord. Don't shake, don't shake. In the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. He shakes the heavens. He ain't shaking the earth. (laughs) We just get the aftershock. If you know what I mean. Praise God. So God is very powerful, folks. He wants righteousness to prevail. He's not pleased with what's going on down here. Not any more than his people are. Praise God. So the characteristics of the army of the Lord. Number one, our leader is the Lord of hosts. You got to know that. You are drafted in this army. You don't just rush up here and call yourself a soldier. You understand me? Any more than anybody else can make their own uniform and go get in the army. Bring that little camouflage shirt you bought at, uh, was one of the places? What's that place, uh, J. Crew? I am. We're no, don't bring no J. Crew weakness up in here. Call yourself a soldier. I'd have seen it all over the years. I was some people came came to a meeting we had one time, and they was all with combat boots and camouflage on. I said, "Oh Lord, please!" That just makes you a bigger target for the devil. You kidding me? Camouflaging nothing. Their place was found no more. Amen. There's no age minimum or maximum. So don't say you too old or too young. There's no physical or mental exam. Hallelujah. We can all pass. You must have a heart fixed on him. You can't have a movable heart. Like you love something one day. Like you love Jesus more than anything. huh? The next day, old flame shows up. Huh? <laughs> My old flame, I can't even think of his name. Anyway, uh, so you must have your heart fixed on him. It can't be movable. Amen. You can't have a portable heart. Everybody gets drafted. There are no volunteers. You can say, choose me all you want to. That just lets God know you're available. Amen. He wants you in the army. He knows you always get drafted at an inconvenient time. Huh? You ask the young men that were drafted in Vietnam if they were wanting to be. Nobody is. Because he has to see some sacrifice when you come into this thing. You can't just be rushing up in there and all easy and everything. No, 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 no. Amen. No volunteers. Everybody's drafted. Selah. That'll come to you like Thursday or so. Amen. You get excellent on the job training. Because your house is toe up from the flow up. Your sweet husband now looks like a gorilla hanging from the chandelier, swinging from the chandelier eating bananas. Repo man is at the door. So that's on the job training. 
There's great pay and benefits. You even get an eternal retirement pay. It never stops. All needed equipment is supplied. And, and the reverse of that is true. If it ain't supplied, you don't need it. I want to be anointed just like something. No, you're going to get anointed like God wants you to be anointed. Huh? Take care of your little business over there. You have access to the most advanced weapons. No cheap weapons. And they all work. Amen. If God gives you a slingshot against a giant, that's the most advanced weapon that you. And you have fail-proof strategies that are supplied to you by the Lord of hosts himself. Amen. Fail-proof strategies. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the army of God. That you utter, utter your voice before your army because your camp is very great. Thank you, Lord. We march everyone in his own way and we do not break rank. We don't thrust one another. We walk in our own path, Father. And we climb upon the houses and enter into the windows like a thief. Father, you're, you're strong who carries out the word of the Lord, that when we carry out your word, that proves our strength. And we thank you, Lord. Let it be unto us according to your word. We are your army in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. He's worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Amen. That's right. It's good to be a joyful warrior. Amen. Be a joyful warrior. Amen. Be a joyful warrior. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I just believe we're going to see movement now more toward the good everywhere. Amen. Uh, The dust is still settling on the spiritual and the heavenly warfare. Amen. So when the dust settles, we'll start to gather the spoils more and more. There's been some coming in, but much more is going to come in. Praise God. Anybody need prayer? Come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, the Lord does want me to exhort you in something. And now the plan of the enemy is to pull the people of God out of joy and down into despair and down into um, a place of not rejoicing, not responding, um, a sluggishness that you don't respond as quickly to the spirit. Um, you you tend to want to ponder trouble or ponder evil things or ponder. Uh, there there is a place where you you consider God and you consider His answer only. And the Lord is saying, you're not to ponder the things of darkness. You're not to take your mind into the corridors of darkness, seeking answers when there's only trouble. And this is the plan of the enemy to pull you out of your victory and out of the spirit. Why are are you disquieted in me, O my soul? You say to yourself, why are you tormented? Why is this upset in me? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise him 
who is the health of my countenance and my God. And the Lord says, instead of considering what the enemy is doing and considering the negative outcomes, he says, offer me a yet praise, says the Lord. Offer me a yet praise. While you're considering all the negative things at the end of your considering, offer up to me a yet praise. And that is a praise that you put on top of the evil report. That is a praise that you put on top of the trouble. That is a praise that you offer on top of what the enemy is doing. And the Lord says, I will be the health of your countenance. And I will come and I will bring you and revive your spirit back into the life that I have ordained for it, says the Lord. Hope thou in God and yet praise me for the health of your countenance. And I am your God, says the spirit of the living God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Got to watch that. That stuff is loose in the atmosphere. You don't want to. It's like, uh, you know, catching germs and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, it's a, a spirit that wants to latch on to God's people and ride you like, you know, like it owns you, but it does not own you. Amen. So yet praise him and he'll be the health of your countenance. Amen. Praise God. Well, Father, we thank you for what you've done today. We thank you, Lord, for our time of fellowship and blessing one another. Thank you, Lord, for blessing our bread and our